to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. see each of you. Thanks for being with us this morning. I want to say a big welcome and thank you to our online audience that always joins us. We love you. Thanks for being with us, whether you're at a sporting event, join us at the office or at the house or wherever you are. Thanks for being here. Thank each one of you for being here as well. Um, so I, I, I did, as you know, we had a tremendous, tremendous Easter. And can we give it up for Jesus for a beautiful time, Easter Sunday here at the church? <laughs> Don't want to go too fast and skip all that because that was some good stuff that God did last week. Uh, beautiful time together. So this morning, uh, I simply uh, entitled this lesson, Pardon the Interruption. Pardon the Interruption. Now, for most of us, I mean, I've not met many people that say, I love to be interrupted. (laughs) When I'm talking, I just love it when people interrupt me. Most people don't like to be interrupted. One of the hardest things to teach as parents is to teach your children not to interrupt mom and dad when they're trying to talk. I mean, if you remember always talking and your, and your son or daughter coming up to you and they have the latest, greatest story to tell you, mom, it is, it's gonna be mind-blowing. And they want to tell you. And they're pulling on you and they're doing everything they can to get your attention. And you're like, do not interrupt mommy when she's telling the story. Now, later you find out the story and it's just simply about a bug, you know? And you're like, that's why I don't let you interrupt me, okay? But the hardest thing to teach children is not to be, not, not to interrupt. And for many of us, most people would say that interruptions are, are, are really selfish. They're just rude. I mean, people that, that always wanna be heard or jump in or don't let somebody finish is always seen as just, you know, rude. And so, Most people, I would say most people believe that interruptions are a bad thing, right? I mean, if you voted, is being interrupted a bad thing? I'd be like, yep, it's bad. But can being interrupted be good? Can be a good thing. You ever been interrupted? You ever been interrupted? You ever been doing something and it, just gets interrupted. For many of you, you may not know, but, but I played a lot of sports in my life, and what I played the most was baseball. And um, I'm an avid baseball guy. That's why cut grass is still one of the best smells ever, right? Still is today, right? I love baseball, right? We were playing, I played all through high school and played college ball and finished all that, and that was all beautiful and loved all that. I, I, I was a pitcher in college, and we were playing St. Mary's University in San Antonio, Texas one time. And we were playing a doubleheader, and, and, and I got the call for the front end of the doubleheader. Now, let me, 
Let me help you with this. So some of you may not be sports people or baseball people. When I say the front end of a doubleheader, I am not referring to the front end of a race car in NASCAR, okay? It's not the front end of your car, okay? Someone really asked me that one time when I told this story. So the front end is the first game of a doubleheader, meaning there's two games, okay? They're played right behind each other, okay? I'm pitching the first game of the doubleheader. We're at St. Mary's University, and I'm pitching, and we, we, we just start off great. It's nine up, nine down. There's three outs in baseball. It's nine up, nine down. First time through the order, all nine up, all nine down. I'm, I'm feeling good. Having a good day. It's a beautiful day. I'm pitching well. Great. Nine up, nine down. Beautiful. So I come back out to start the fourth inning. All right, after those three innings, all right, and the leadoff hitter is back up again, okay, because you have nine batters and it's three up, three down, meaning nine people batted. So it's second time through the order. If you know anything about baseball, second time through the order is kind of starts to play in the advantage of the hitter because they get to see you a little bit longer. So the next, the leadoff guy comes up again for the second time up. So I'm eight pitches into the bat pesky little dude. He just driving me crazy, all right, making me work too hard. And so, so I throw a slider, okay? And the, per, the pitch is, I mean, I couldn't throw a better slider. I probably didn't throw a better slider in my whole entire life. I throw the slider. He does exactly what I want him to do. He thinks it's dead red, which is a fastball, and he's trying to pull it. If you try to pull a slider, you're going to top it, and it's just going to be a two-hop ground ball to the shortstop. It's a piece of cake. So I throw the slider. He thinks it's dead red. He pulls it, which means he tops it. He hits it to the shortstop. I turn. The ball goes by. It's two hops. My shortstop's back here. He goes, like some, what are you doing? They gave you money to play shortstop? What is that? That's a terrible effort. Ball goes out in the outfield. I'm like, are you serious, dude? Two hops, just, just throw it. It's not hard. And I'm like, all right, so nine pitches. So I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? So I get on the mound, and what am I thinking? Who, who, who we got another shortstop? So I'm thinking about that. Four pitch walk, just bam. Now first and second, no outs, all right? Get the, get, I get to the full count of the next hitter, all right? Three hole hitter, all right? I walk him. I go from nine up, nine down, cruising, to bases loaded, no outs, top of the fourth. Not good. And I'm already like 40 pitches in by now, thanks to Dingleberry over here. But, but what I'm saying is, so I look over, and not, not my pitching coach, because sometimes early in the game, the pitching coach will come out and just kind of talk to you, and that's when you're really not in trouble. But no, nah, my pitching coach didn't come out of the dugout. My head coach came out. The guy who said, would you like to play baseball for me to sign this dotted line? I'll pay for everything. Oh, that guy came out of the dugout. Not only did that guy come out, but he's 6'8". When he comes out, it's like, oh, Lord, Goliath's coming. And I'm thinking, I deserve everything I'm about to get because I need, I need, I'm, I'm about to get chewed out and I deserve every bit of it because I'm just being a dork, right? And so, he comes out. So when a, when, a pit, when a coach comes out, a lot of times the infielders will join the pitcher on the mound for what the coach is going to say. And I'm like, yeah, come here, shortstop. I got something for you. I can't wait for the shortstop to get to me. Oh, you know what my head coach does? I got this. He waves off the infield. 
I'm like, uh-oh. He just wants me. <laughs> he just wants me. So he's on the front of the mound down here, and I'm back here. And he's just walking around. Now, you need to know something about my head, football, my head baseball coach. If he's not coaching baseball, he's fishing, and he's a great fisherman. He, he, he competes in tournaments and wins a lot of tournaments. And if you, if you coach in East Texas, you got all the ponds and bass you ever wanted in your life. It, it rains over there, like, all the time, all right? And so he walks up on the hill, and he hadn't said a word to me. And he says, man, it's pretty out here, isn't it, Ponder? It's pretty. He says, so, what do you think? Top water, worm. What? What the heck is going on? I felt like I was out of body experience. I said, what, sir? He said, what do you think? They're catching them top water or worms today? I said, coach, I, I don't know. You're the fisherman. You tell me. He said, you're right. And you're my pitcher. So pitch. Walks off. Wow. So I got back on the hill. Four hitter comes up. Struck him out. Now we got one out, bases loaded. Five hope comes up. Same exact situation. I know he's looking dead red. I throw a curveball. I mean, a slider. He tries to pull it. He tops it. Guess where the ball's going? To the shortstop. And I'm like, oh, Lord, help. He does, whoop, second, four, back to three, double play, out of the inning, no runs. And I'm thinking, where the heck was that 47 pitches ago <laughs> before you kicked the ball all over the outfield and the infield? So we get done with the inning. We go on, finish the game. We win 7-2. I get ice on my elbow. I'm sitting down at the end of the bench. I got my jacket on. Here comes my coach. He sits down. Pats me on the leg. He said, nice job today, Ponder. I said, thank you. He said, I said to him, what, what, what was the fishing thing? What was the fishing thing? He said, Ponder, sometimes you just got to get interrupted. You know who you are and you know how to do it but it gets in your head and you forget and you start doing stuff you don't know what to do or you do nothing. The ground ball to the shortstop booted, legit, but it got in your head and you got lost in that and then you couldn't finish the inning. And all I did, man, was reset you. I just interrupted you to reset you on what you already know and who you are. I just sat there. He said, well, good job. Walked off. Interruptions can be good. Let me show you one in scripture. Go to your Bible, Luke 24. It's kind of lengthy text. I want you to stay with me while I read it. Luke 24, look at verse 13. This is the same text that we were in uh, last week for Easter. Remember the two ladies that made the oils, and uh, made the, perf made the uh, 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 sauce to put on the body of Jesus. They were gonna rub it all over Jesus, the perfumes and everything. This is the same passage, okay? So I want you to look at verse 13, Luke 24, 13. Now the same day, two of them were going to the village of Emmaus, 
about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together while you walk along the road? They stood still with their faces downcast. One of them named Siapus uh, asked, what are you? Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem, or do you not know the things that have just happened here? What things, he asked. That's pretty funny, all right? Like he wasn't there. Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he's a prophet, a powerful in word and deed from God. All the people, the chief priests and other rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him, but they had hoped, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And what is more, on the third day since all this took place, in addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of an angels, of angels, and they said that he was alive. Then some of them, some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but they did not find him. Verse 25. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not Christ have to suffer these things, then enter the glory? At the beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what they had said in all scripture concerning himself. Verse 28, as they approached a village, they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is early in the evening, it is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sights. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road in open scripture with us? They got up, returned at once to Jerusalem. They have found the 11 there, those with him assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus recognized them when he broke the bread. Now I wanna break down this scripture a little bit, some of the verses in there, because I want you to see this interruption. Jesus said, pardon the interruption to these men. Okay, look at verse 17. He asked them, what are you discussing while you walk along the road? That's pretty incredible. These men were walking along the road. They're just like the ladies that were taking the ointment to Jesus to rub on his body. They loved Jesus. They knew Jesus. They were followers of Jesus. These men also, they knew Jesus. They're walking down the road. Look at their countenance. Look at their faces. They're downcast. They're sad, all right? That's what it says. Look what it says in the, if you have a New King James Version, look what he says in 17. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk along the road and are sad? As you walk along the road and are sad. Sometimes Jesus needs to interrupt our life to remind us who we are, who he is, and about his word. 
because we know who we are, but we get in situations in life where we feel all downcast and heavy. We're, we're overcome by life. We're overcome by schedule. We're overcome in our marriage by our children's behavior or lack thereof. And we have a whole bunch of stuff breathing on us, whether it's work or whatever. We get busy. We get sidetracked. We go a long time without sitting with Jesus and spending time with him. And days become weeks and weeks become months and sometimes months become years. And you haven't spent any time with the Lord. All right? And you can get all sad, you can get downcast, you get hopeless, you don't remember who you are, you don't remember who he is, but when somebody says, remember, God is still on the move, and the first thing you say inside your spirit is, not in my life, not in my life. I wanna say something to you. He's still moving, whether you can see it or not. And he's moving more in your life than you can even recognize, but you're so busy, you can't see it. Sometimes we get stuck in a rut, okay? Sometimes we get stuck in our stuff. Sometimes we get stuck in our conversation. You ever notice when you get sad and you have busy stuff and when you, when you get confused or when, when things just aren't working out and it's just a bad season of your life and you start speaking about that and then all of a sudden, just supernaturally, I guess, I wouldn't call it that, but you meet someone else that's just as sad as you and y'all become the sad couple and y'all just start walking along the road being all sad and talking about sad stuff and then all of a sudden another sad person just walks up and says what y'all talking about while you walk around the road oh we're talking about sad oh good i'm sad let's walk together and now we got three people walking we got just hombres of of, of sad people isn't that exciting can't wait to bump into them Woohoo! all right but don't you understand how you attract the same people that's what happens to us and sometimes what we need is the king, the risen king, to walk up beside us and say, what you boys talking about while you walk along the road all sad? <laughs> Uh-oh, that's a dude that was in the tomb. <laughs> yeah, it was. You better turn that sad into joy, amen? Sometimes we need to be reminded of who he is and who we are. And sometimes we need a good pardon the interruption, my child, because we can get some stinking thinking going on. We can get some sad stuff going on. We can start attracting people that look and, look and smell just as sad as we do. And see, you don't think you're sad and talk sad until you get around somebody that doesn't talk sad and look sad. And you go, oh my gosh, my, my, my vocabulary, my speech, everything that comes from my mouth is really negative and bad, doesn't say anything good about the risen King Jesus, nothing. And sometimes we need an interruption. Look at verse 25, see what he says to them. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. How foolish you are and slow of heart to believe the word. I meet a whole bunch of people that are in a bad situation in their life. You know what every one of them, almost 99% of them tell me? I know what to do. Then why am I here? I know what I need to do. I know what I need. I, 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 I know what I'm supposed to do. I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, if you know, go do. And your circumstances and your situation and your outcome will change. But if you keep doing the same thing, looking for a different result, that's insanity and it's not gonna happen. 
If you know as a child of the Lord that the word of God is living, acting, and breathing, get in the word. And if you know Jesus is the risen king, when he interrupts your life, listen to his interruption. It wasn't that I was on that mound that day and forgot how to pitch. I know how to pitch. Did all my life, okay? But what I did was I let somebody else, something somebody else did that affected me get in my head and cut me off. And all my coach did was come out to a mound and reset me. What Jesus wants to do to many of us today is reset us. That's what he wants to do. It's not that we don't know who he is. We know who he is. We're a born-again child of the king. We've been born again. We've been baptized, and we've been raised to walk a new life. But we forgot that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? That's what happened to us. And sometimes you don't need to tell somebody, you don't need, to, you don't need somebody to walk up to you and say, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna get better, have a donut. No, no, that's bad too, okay? I don't need a donut, then I got another problem, all right? What you need is to be reminded of who he is. He needs to walk up beside you with nails in his palms, okay? And it'd be the same Jesus that died for you and rose again that says, greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. Look at verse 30. We'll spend a little time here. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and he broke it, and he began to give it to them. If you've been with us, one of the things that I will do when we take communion is I will read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, and he took the bread. Having given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in what? Remembrance of me. (laughs) Sometimes, my friend, we need to be interrupted by Jesus to remember who he is and who we are in him. How long has it been since Jesus interrupted you? Interrupted life? Stopped you in your tracks? Now, he'd much rather do it before tragedy. But if you continue to put your life in autopilot and tell God you're fine while you're not fine, he's just gonna let you go because he's a gentleman and he loves you. He's trying to get your attention, but you're not paying attention. You better understand that you're a king's kid. He loves you. And when he comes up beside you and interrupts you, it's for a reason for you to stop doing what you're already doing and do something differently because he wants to do something different in and through you. Stop doing the same thing that's not working, okay? When you can't get a a square peg in a round hole, you stop. You don't go get a bigger hammer. Some of us trying to get a bigger hammer, like I get that sucker in there, I hit it with this. Yeah, you'll, you'll get it in there but the splinters will get all over everyone you love and they will carry the scars of your choices with them for life. Stop beating it and change course. Let him do something different. Let him interrupt your life and say, hey, 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 
I'm, I'm the king and you're not. Get under me, listen to me, and let's do it differently. Don't get a bigger hammer. We in Texas can get anything <laughs> through something. Trust me, we can do that. I want you to see verse 30. We gotta go fast, but I wanna put it in order because order in scripture is important. I want you to see the order of, of, of verse 30. Okay, look at verse 30. When he was at the table with them. Remember in verse 29, they say, I thought Jesus was gonna go a little further. Then we realize he's not going further. When they realized Jesus wasn't going any further, they said, hey, why don't you come and sit with us at the table? It's already evening and the day is late. How long has it been since you gave Jesus an invite to your table? Some of you right now are like, I had invited Jesus to my table in a long, long time. I want you to do something for me. I want you to get a table. And tomorrow morning, I want you to make a nice cup of coffee. And I want you to get your Bible, your Bible, not your Bible app, okay? I need you to get a Bible, not a good book, the best book, okay? I need you to get the Bible. I need you to get about three or four different pens and some highlighters. And some of you guys are like, no, I ain't doing that. Okay, just get a black pen then, okay? But get a highlighter. And you sit down. And before you ever begin sipping your coffee or opening your word, you invite Jesus to sit at your table. Can I say something to you? Invite Jesus to sit at your table. It's been a long time since some of you invited Jesus to sit at your table. And the reason you are where you are, the reason things are like they are is because you've been doing it and calling all the shots and doing it your way. And you know what you should do, but you have not done it. So Jesus would like to interrupt your life today and say, can you please invite me to your table because I'm dying to sit with you. It doesn't have to be like this. So he's at the table with them. Scripture tells us in James, draw near to God. Mm, and God will draw near to you. Come near to me and I will come near to you. The invitation is right in front of us if you will just ask him to come to your table. Look what else he does. He's at the table with them. Number two, he took bread. That's just incredible. The bread of life took bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread. He takes the bread. He takes it. He's the bread of life. Listen to me. We talked about tables over here and table over here. This is the Lord's table. Good stuff. Prime rib, roast beef, that kind of stuff. Stick to your rib kind of stuff. Over here, this is the world's table full of nachos covered in bitterness. Got some beef jerky from jerks, all right? Y'all live with these people. Y'all know, amen? Ain't no food over here, no good. Good snacks. Problem is you got to snack about 27 times a day because you never get full. Over here, oh, yeah. Big old thick gravy on top of chicken fried steaks and green beans and rolls. Sat See, y'all are starving right now, all right? Totally lost my audience. What I'm saying is you need some stick to your rib kind of stuff because life will drain it. If all you're doing is snacking at the wrong table, you don't get the same thing every time. 
stop eating at this table. You don't belong at this table to eat at. You can come and sit with your friends and introduce them to that table, but don't eat here. You're a king's kid. You have a name plate at the king's table. Eat at the king's table. Just saying. How long has it been since you invited Jesus to sit at your table? You feel the way you feel because you're malnourished. It's not sexy. I'm sorry. It's just not. Bony, scrawny, don't look good. You need to put meat on your bones. You need to put the word in your life because when you got to draw from it, you can't draw from nachos covered in bitterness, man. It just produces more. You got to draw from good stuff. Invite him to your table. Let him break bread. Look what else he does. He gave thanks. <laughs> uh, you remember them two dudes? They wasn't giving no thanks walking down that road. They sad. Why? Because the king was gone. They just killed him, put him in a tomb. He, he's gone. Now they took him. Now probably going to come get us. They were all downcast and sad. They were sad when he walked beside them. Why are you walking along the road and what you talking about why you're all sad? Sad, 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 sad. I've never read the Bible and walked away sad. I've walked away with a lot of joy. He gave thanks. Look what else he did. He broke it and he began to give it to him. Matthew 4, 4 says, man should not live by bread alone, Mm-mm. but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Amen. Quit trying to live off something else. Live off the word of God, okay? I want you to go to your Bible in John. Go to John. Should be real close since you're in Luke, right? Look over at John 1, 1 and then 1, 14. In the beginning was the word, John 1, 1, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was with him. From the beginning, look at 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, the one that came from the Father full of grace and truth. What you need today is truth. If you haven't caught on yet, there is a ridiculous amount of lies in this country. If you eat at the table of the world, you're gonna live out lies. You gotta sit with the truth and live out truth. You need the truth of the word of God. Okay, look real fast over to Jeremiah 15. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. When your words came, I what? Ate them. Good idea. When your words came, I ate them. They were my what? My joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. When we sit with the Lord and he gives us from his word, you know what happens in your life? Sadness gets pushed at the top because joy begins to take over your life and all the sad, pity party, nasty junk in your life gets pushed out. He takes it away. He does with it what you've been waiting on him to do. Why? Because he's slow? No, because you're slow. We're slow because we know we need to sit with the Lord and we don't do it. We know we need to invite him to the table, but we don't get to the table. Why? Because we're busy. I gotta be a mom. I gotta be a wife. I gotta be a dad. Gotta be a husband. Gotta go to work. Gotta do this. Gotta do that. Gotta coach this. Gotta take him over here. Gotta take him over here. Gotta mow. Gotta weedy. It's not even raining. Turn your sprinklers off. Whatever. You got all this stuff to do. So everybody's too busy for God. 
And so life makes us sad and too busy. And God walks up beside us while we're walking down the road. He says, what you boys talking about while you walk along the road so sad? Oh, I don't know. Why are you sad? You're sad because you don't sit down with Jesus and let him restore joy in your life. There's no heart delight. There's none. Look at 31. Look what happens as soon as they do it. Their eyes were open and they recognized him. Ever had periods in your life where you didn't even see God, didn't hear him, couldn't recognize him? Like, where are you? If you'll make a table, get your Bible, make a cup of coffee, and invite Jesus to sit at your table, he'll be there just like that. And he'll sit right across from you, and he'll tell you who you are, and he'll tell you who he is, and he'll tell you about his word, and he'll tell you about the word that's living inside of you, and he'll tell you about the tomb that's no longer occupied because he's the risen king, and why are you looking for the dead among the living? He can tell you that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And it's time for you, child of mine, to go out there in joy and heart's delight and live for Jesus. I'll take all this stuff off of you if you'll just sit with me at the table. Some of us need to sit with him at the table. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a light into my path, to my feet and a light into my path. You get lost, you better figure out first where you're at. Because if you don't know where you're at, don't keep walking. <laughs> it's ugly. Let him light up your feet so he can light up your path. Let him light it up. Look at 32. Were not our hearts burning within us as we talked with us along the road and opened scripture to us? Wasn't our hearts burning? Your heart ever been burning? You know when your heart's burning? That's when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. The Holy Spirit in John 14, 26, he says, I gotta go away, why? Because I'm gonna send the counselor, the Holy Spirit, okay? And he's gonna tell you things and illuminate things and show you things. Look at it with me, go back to John. Go to John, go to 16, skip to 14. Go to 16. Go to 16, 12. I have much more to say to you more than you can bear. But when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what yet to come. What authority does he speak from? From his Father. You wanna know where to go, what to do? You ever ask the questions? I don't know what to do. Listen to me. God has never said, I don't know what to do. The great I am knows what to do. If you'll sit with him, he will show you and tell you what is to come. We talked about a word last week about repentance, okay? Repentance is simply this. It's, it, it, it's to turn or to return. It's if you're going your way and it's not working out, it's, it's not getting better. Why don't you repent and turn and come back to God? If it's been a long time since you sat at the table with your Bible and a cup of coffee and invited Jesus to sit with you and he clear up the fog in your life so you could have clarity, because listen to me, I, I didn't say this earlier, but when you break bread with Jesus, everything becomes clear. Everything becomes clear. Everything does. 
And the reason it's not clearing up is because we're not sitting with the maker of the fog. When you sit with the maker of the fog, who knows the fog, he can say to the fog, disperse and you can see, even when no one else can, because you've asked him. If you are in the fog right now and you're confused and you don't know what to do, are you sitting with Jesus? If you'll sit with Jesus, he will clear your fog. I promise you. How long has it been since you prepared a table for Jesus? Will you please in the morning get up before anybody in your house gets up? If that's the problem, all right, get up before they get up and find you a spot and make a good cup of coffee and get all the pens you ever wanted in whatever colors you want, okay? And you sit down with the Word of God and you go to the book of John and you dive in and you say, God, I need to meet with you. God, will you please interrupt my life because I'm a mess. Not all interruptions are bad, amen. Some interruptions are really good. Can I tell you this, and we're close. If my 6'8 head baseball coach does not interrupt my day that day, I do not finish that game, and we probably will not win that game because I was a mess in my head. It wasn't because I didn't know how to pitch. It wasn't that I wasn't gifted to pitch. It was because I was in, it was in my head, man. I was messed up. And all he did was reset me. Can you let the Father reset you? Can you pardon the interruption from Jesus in your life and sit at a table tomorrow morning and sit with him? And he will clear everything up for you. I'm gonna invite you to stay in church. As the ministry team, if you're on the ministry team, if you're coming at this time as well, listen to me. I know I talked about food and you're probably hungry, but can I interrupt you real fast? Jesus isn't done with you. For some of us, we've been interrupted right now. And that's a good thing. Jesus is interrupting you and says, hey, can you stop doing it your way and do it my way? Can you repent of that and come back to me? because I wanna clarify some things. I wanna show you some things. I wanna clear up some fog in your life because I do know I'm the great counselor. I'm the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna pray over you. If you need prayer, that's what they're here for. Not to watch you sing, but to pray over you and agree with you. If you need the altar, just to say, God, I'm sorry for doing it my way. I'm gonna do it your way, I promise. If you need that, you come this morning. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, thank you for all that you've done, all that you have said through your word. God, I pray your word has found good soil. And God, we will say yes to you. Whatever the Holy Spirit illuminated, whatever he said, wherever he interrupted, we will say yes, Jesus. And so God, I pray that you restore joy. God, I pray you set people free. And God, if there's anybody in sound of my voice that needs to give their life to Christ, that they would do that this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's worship. If you need to come, you come. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. 
We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.